The Anton Savage Show Saturday with Nifty Business on News Talk. We are joined by Sarah Kyo, dietitian, founder of Eat Well, and our regular experts on all things diet. I assume, Sarah, for you and uh, people in your profession, this is the busy time of the year. Everyone's just clean up their act. Do you know, it's the busy time is social media. That's when I start getting all the questions up on Instagram and all that kind of thing. So that's where it takes off. I think it's around February before people finally go, do you know what? Maybe I won't just read on the internet and I'll actually go and see a dietitian. So that's actually when I get busy. That's when I start getting the talks into workplaces and all that kind of thing. So, And people, uh, I assume this is also where we get things like fad dieting and I'm oh, going yeah. to live on cabbage soup and all that crack. Well, that's, I mean, I had a post up on Instagram last night about what not to do in January. And I was talking about like, you really don't need to start making yourself drink apple cider vinegar and you don't have to start having colonic irrigation, which seems to be rearing its head again. Please just don't. And, you know, all of those things. And it's just so funny. People coming back going, thank you. You know, I was thinking I had to start doing all this mad stuff. I have a series of supplementary questions that I want to ask you about (laughs) that. But I suspect this early on a Saturday morning is not the time to go literally down that route or up that route, as the case may be. Um, The... Um, fad diets that people get into one of the ones that I'm reading a lot about and this may be unfair to call it a fad what about intermittent fasting? This is seems, a fad, yes. Is it? It's just this year's fad. I mean, 10 years ago it was keto and that was the big fad and today it's intermittent fasting. And all these are, are different ways of losing weight. And there's nothing wrong with that. If someone, you know, needs to lose weight, their cholesterol is higher, blood pressure is up and they want to lose weight, brilliant. Intermittent fasting is one of the slightly safer versions of fad diets. It's one I wouldn't stop someone from doing. Um, basically, what we know from research is that if you do intermittent fasting, and the most popular one is what we call 16-8, which is where you'll sort of not eat for 16 hours a day, and then over eight hours you'll eat um, within that. And that one works quite guess, well. You stay up at night? Or? No, no, you basically sleep over. No, no, you sleep. Um, oh, the 16 hours includes the includes sleep. Your okay, sleep. right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's why it works, actually. Um, because you're asleep for a lot of it. But it reduces calories by about 25 to 30%. Now, if you reduce portion sizes, you reduce calories by 25 to 30%. If you do keto, you reduce calories by 25 to 30 It's just an, another way of doing it. What I like about it is it suits a lot of people um, and it just works for them. Some people can, you know, reduce portions or some people can cut out snacks. Other people are just like, look, just give me a time. I can't eat if it's after seven o'clock and that's that. And that works for a lot of people. So hang on. So if you're doing the seat, does that mean that they effectively, they don't have breakfast, they don't have lunch and then they eat dinner? No, they've eight hours to eat. So maybe someone might just have a late breakfast and then maybe just have one other meal in the day, but they can kind of eat their meals with that. Um, it just means, do you know what it actually, for 90% of the people I see with this, what it cuts out is the sitting on the couch eating chocolate at night because you're not allowed to eat after seven. And, you know, not a bad habit for many, many reasons. Now, there is a doctor in the UK who spends a lot of time writing and on TV with a name like Max Mosley, which isn't his name. He was a guy from Formula One, but it's a name like that. And he advocates, uh, is it the... 3-2 3-2 or the 5-2 where you go for solid days without Yes, yeah, so that's the 5-2. The that's where you do five days of normal eating and two days of very reduced. So usually around 400 calories a day with that. Look, it's the latest fad. People like it. I find I've a couple of patients who tried it who absolutely, I've, nobody can stick to it is what I find with that. But the thing about it is it just reduces weight. Now that's fine. I see all these other claims that it balances blood glucose better than anything else. The studies are very clear that it makes no difference to that compared to any other weight loss program. It doesn't make cholesterol any better compared to any other weight loss. It doesn't do anything compared to any. All it does is lose weight, which is fine. Um, um, So if someone wants to do it, I wouldn't stop them. But, you know, it is just another fad. There'll be something else rolling along in eight to ten years. And has the whole Atkins thing gone away? 
Well, do you remember there was a time you couldn't get a burger with a bun? Look, I was doing something on this recently. I was like, seriously, when I, in the, I don't know if you remember, in the, in the 1980s, you were told to cut out protein to lose weight and eat carbs to lose weight. And then you had the 2000s that told you to cut out carbs to lose weight. And today we're all, you know, eating protein to lose weight. And then we were supposed to cut out fat. Do you remember that in the late 90s? Everyone was cutting out fat. To lose. They're just fads. Fads just come and go. You know, we've had Atkins diet, the Zone diet, the Scarsfield diet, Banting predated the whole lot of them. You know, there's just... What was that one? Banting. What's Banting? It's a very restricted diet, but sort of late 1800s into early early 1900s. Just, please don't go looking it up or doing it, right? It's just another fad. I we can just hear have the Googling fad. as we I know, speak. we can go. Like, there's just fad after fad. And it's just, it's people are hoping for the quick fix. Because at the end of the day, if you actually eat reasonably healthy food in reasonably healthy amounts, you're fine. But nobody wants to hear that because it's boring and it's not sexy and you can't write a book about it. And it's also, there is something about the effort of saying, right, cabbage soup for me for the next week. It's nice to get your... But you're also in a club. You're in a club of everybody else who's doing the same thing. You're all doing the same thing and you're all on the same social media and you're all... Ha- and that's, you know, that's okay too. If what you're doing isn't hurting you, fire away. A lot of texts, one saying it's Michael Mosley, not Max Mosley. Thank you. <laughs> well, that was who I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, a question, uh, Anton, I have diverticular disease. Could I ask Sarah what diet is suitable? Many thanks. And then there's another, can you explain more on vitamin D? Should everybody take it? And what is selenium and magnesium? To By God, we're still a high bar nice for you, Sarah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, diverticular disease is where you get little pockets in the wall of your colon, your large bowel. Um, it turns up as we get older. It's a thing you see a lot of people finding and discovering in their 50s. And we think there's a number of reasons for it, but we think it's kind of if you've been a little bit constipated most of your life and you've put pressure on the bowel that it just causes these little pockets to form. Um, on their own, they're, they're absolutely fine. They're benign. They're not serious. I used to go into patients and go, it's not cancer. And they'd all take a deep breath because diverticular disease is a good mouthful. Um, basically, if it's well, a, vi- a high fibre diet is what you want. Just keep lots of fibre coming in so that basically, and I'm going to be really blunt here, you, what you produce is lovely and smooth like sausages and you're not getting little hard lumps that can get stuck into these little diverticular... I, I know it always would avoid this whole area. God, we got here quick. <laughs> but they can get stuck in it. And the other thing to avoid are seeds. So if you're using seeds, grind them up so that they don't get stuck into little pockets. If your diverticular disease, though, is active, if it's a little bit inflamed, you might need a low fibre diet, but you'll usually need an antibiotic. So go to your doctor if that does flare up for you. Um, one where I can already just, I know it's the answer to this down. is going to be no, but I'll ask it as it's written. Text says, 30 day water challenge. Yes or no? No, no, <laughs> just No. Does that, am I right in thinking that means live on water for 30 days? So there's two, there's a couple of different 30 day water challenges. One is water for that. The other one is to drink huge amounts of water over 30 days. But you've got to watch that. Although like you can safely drink two, three, even four litres of water a day, you'll be fine. If you start drinking a lot more than that, it washes sodium out of your body. And sodium is part of balancing the water between your blood and your cells. And so if you get too much sodium out of your body, water goes into your cells at too high a level. And if that goes into your brain, quite literally causes your brain to explode. And a good few, like you'll hear at least one case a year of someone dying of that cellular swelling from drinking too much water. I remember in the ecstasy craze, there was a couple of deaths yes. of people who overhydrated yeah, because the message was you need to drink. Drink. And sometimes we would see marathon runners do it if they drink a lot of water without putting in their electrolytes, without putting in their sodium and their potassium. That's why sports drinks actually are really important if you're doing a lot of kind of intense exercise. Well, that goes to the other one then about the vitamin D and selenium and magnesium. I assume at 55 degrees north or wherever we are, vitamin D during the winter you do need. Absolutely, 100%. So we should all be on 15 micrograms of vitamin D a day for adults. Children need a little bit less. So 10 for kids aged, let me think now, is it 5 to 11? And then 5 for the under 4s micrograms a day. So everybody absolutely during the winter needs to be on vitamin D. And a vitamin D D. um, deficit was what caused rickets, isn't that right? It used to cause rickets. It causes today what we call osteomalacia, which, so rickets is where the bones get soft 
and we see it in children and they get the kind of bow legs. In adults, we get osteomalacia where, again, the bones are getting soft, but you'll see the spine curving over. Um, you, you see that in older people. So that's vitamin D, but it also affects your immune system and a couple of other things in the body. And then the rest of the text is what about selenium and magnesium? Selenium and magnesium are two minerals that we need. Now, we don't have a huge amount of selenium in the soil in Ireland, which is just geography. Um, different parts of the world have levels of selenium so high they actually get sick from it. Um, but we pick up selenium. It's needed for um, a lot. It's an important part, actually, a particular enzyme that helps prevent cancer in the body. Um, and it's also important for healthy skin and hair and nails. So it's, it's actually quite an important one. So nuts and seeds and fish are the big, big places where you'll get selenium. Um, uh, text saying, my daughter who is 12, this is back to the January fads. And not saying this is a fad. fad. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Let me back away from that before I read the text. My daughter who is 12 has decided to do the January. She is, for all intents and purposes, a bit of a carnivore, so I'm a little worried about what she's going to be lacking nutrition-wise. How can I make sure that she's getting all the vitamins and proteins that she needs? First of all, is January a thing? Well, I'm wondering, is that like you're vegetarian for January rather than vegan? Well, I think no, so. Well, maybe it's vegan. Yeah. yeah, oh, it is. It's Veganuary. Sorry, I was adding, uh, it's Veganuary. So I yeah. assume that I mean, that's, vegan. that's been kind of a big thing in January. I see it falling away this year. That's not as many people seem to be doing and maybe they are quietly but we're not, it's not as talked about with it. Um, basically, if you're going to do that for the month, the big thing is calcium and protein, especially for a 12-year-old because a 12-year-old would normally need the equivalent of five servings of dairy a day to get enough calcium because at 12, she's doing her re- you know the big growth spurt we see in boys at 14, girls do it at 12. So they really need their protein and their calcium there. So the trouble with vegan straight out the dairy is gone. So it's hard, it's not impossible, but it is hard to get that amount of calcium on a vegan diet. She'd want to be eating like 25 servings of broccoli a day if we're looking for green vegetables and obviously she's not going to. So calcium fortified plant-based milks, so things like soya milk, um, but if it's calcium fortified and she'd need the equivalent of about five glasses a day of that for her calcium. And then for protein, you're looking at beans, lentils, tofu, um, at every meal, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, high protein yogurts if she'd kind of some of the you can get like a soy yogurt and stuff like that that will give but just making sure there's protein at every meal particularly she's just in that crucial growing spurt at that age 12 so if there was a sudden drop in calcium a sudden drop in protein now if she does it for a week or two it's not going to matter it's more if she's thinking long term with it what I would say there is go and see a dietitian who can actually just set her up properly um, Well that's that. interesting though that in all girls in the sort of 10 to 13 age bracket they should be making sure that they're hitting 9 to 13 nine, well it's actually 9 to 19 for all children um, is where we'd look at that five a day for dairy. But girls, their big, big time is that nine to 12. Do you know where suddenly in sixth class, all the girls are much taller than the boys. And then two years later, the boys are all passing them out because they're doing the, the, that same growth. And you can cover that off if you're on a non-vegan or vegetarian diet you, or a non-vegan diet, you can cover that off with dairy, milk and cheese yeah, and all that. Yeah, milk and cheese and eggs um, is fine. Uh, you mentioned electrolytes, a text asking, can I take electrolytes daily? I run daily and some say it's good for you after a run. Is that right? If you've done a lot of sweating, replacing them is going to be important. But you don't need to start putting salt on everything you know like your ordinary sports drink or even if you could make up like a, a squash do you like orange squash and put a pinch of salt into it and you know drink that that honestly no <laughs> pinch pinch <laughs> not a teaspoon of salt a pinch, you wouldn't even taste it um you know so there's there's ways of doing that just to it's potassium and um, sodium big that you're really looking for we have another one asking about uh, somebody who's trying to gain muscle mass saying i'm trying to eat to eat more protein but it's harder than i thought i don't have lots of money to spend on meat for all my meals any advice on how to get protein on a budget? First of all, you probably don't need as much as you've been advised. I have spent years saying to people, you really don't need two grams of protein per kilogram of body weight unless you're bodybuilding for the Olympics, right? If what you've done is you decide in January, you're going to tone up and go to the gym two or three times a week. Please drop this. I need 120 grams of protein that you don't. Um, 1.2 grams per kilo will be plenty. 
unless you're like, as I said, unless you're seriously bodybuilding, it's plenty. And remember, protein isn't all meat. You get protein in your milk, your yogurt, your cheese. You'll actually get protein in bread. What I find is people only think about the protein in meat, but they forget to look at their whole diet um, in terms of their protein. Cheaper sources of protein are eggs are going to be good, but also beans, lentils, peanut butter, yogurt like this it doesn't all have to be salmon and steak which is what I see a lot of people think that yeah Um, protein. well there's a little bit in there but it you know it'll add up over it and again if you're really thinking of making dietary changes like this before you spend a fortune on protein go and see a dietitian who'll actually be able to sit you down as I said we think of going to a physiotherapist but we'll take nutrition advice from absolutely anybody Can I ask you about the muscle mass thing because I think there is now uh, quite the fad of people who spend their time on uh, Instagram and on YouTube giving advice on high protein diets when it comes to bodybuilding when you know by looking at them they are roided up to the gills and that's what's giving (laughs) them muscle mass not the chicken breasts Well, I I can't comment on whether or not people are taking steroids, but I mean, we can absolutely build muscle and you can do a lot with it. But, you know, there's a physique thing as well. Do you know what I mean? Some people are built to have bigger muscle. They just are. You know, some of us are taller, some of us are shorter. And, you know, even with muscles, we can build a certain amount, you know, but I think we have to be careful of what are we seeing on that. And that person might just have that physique as well. Now, I don't mean they won't have without work, but they, you know, you just know some men will be slimmer, some will have bigger muscles. It's biology as well. And if you fight that too much, you're into eating disorders territory with yourself, you know. Yes, there's a friend of mine who hasn't, I, I don't think he has done anything weight related in since his, his early 20s, but he still looks like a shaved bear. He's just oh, a yeah. giant of a human being. Yeah. Um, a text asking, um, I'm on chemotherapy for breast cancer. Can I take vitamin D as a supplement? I mean, first, obviously, your oncologist is the person to talk about. What that, I would say there is that's a really, when you get into cancer and a lot of the treatments with that, I wouldn't give advice here for that. I would go back, but you, there will be a dietitian attached to your clinic and just, now what I say to you is insist on seeing the dietitian. Um, oh, as in as part of the multidisciplinary yep, team, yep, there is yep, somebody there and say, give me the dietitian, I want to talk to There will be a dietitian, so go and ask there. Um, a, a final one before I let you go. You were talking about the milk. Um, can you get all your protein requirements from drinking milk, just milk? How much milk do you have to drink? Again, <laughs> yes, I assume the answer is going to be don't. <laughs> no, um, to be honest, you, although we need lots and lots of calcium, it is possible to overshoot it. Now, you'd be on looking at about 4,000 milligrams a day. Um, you can. I mean, babies do, obviously, you know, so it can be done, but no probably balance out. By the time you were taking that much milk, you would be eating so little of lots of other foods that actually your diet would be very unbalanced. Can I give you a theory and you can tell me whether okay. it, cause you, I, I've been working on this theory for some time. I, I was reading, you know, Colcannon, which is effectively yes. the only Irish dish, right? I was trying to figure out... You're could get into trouble over okay, that. Well, but anyway. You, I was trying to work out, could you live exclusively on what was the, um, what do we call it, the famine diet, the pre-famine diet of milk and some potatoes? Well, clearly people did. No, do you know what you, do you, know what you die of? Of manganese deficiency oh good lord but if you put kale in it right Which you get the manganese. manganese well there you go that's why it's so balanced. is it possible that the reason we have colcannon as a dish is it's the cheapest survival food you possible you see that in any what we call very traditional foods in any culture there is a reason people are eating the foods that they're eating part of it is availability but part of it is this is what we know we need to actually survive um, so, so yeah. my theory holds water I'll have to check your manganese on that now and look at your recipe and come <laughs> back to you <laughs> I will keep my fingers crossed until I see you again Sarah as always thank you very much that is Sarah Kyo dietitian and founder of Eat Well The Anton Savage Show Saturday with Nifty Business Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.